She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. You are currently listening to Ashes to Ash TV, season three, the investigation of Kendrick Johnson, episode 12, Gore. Me and Nick discuss the case as we drive in the car. So thanks for coming out with me on this trip. Dude, I'm so excited for this. I don't even know what to expect, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, you know what? I booked everything and I don't know what to expect. Even so better. I think it's going to be strange. And then also, just so people know, I stole you because your music's on the series. <laughs> Yo, I was thinking about that. Why did you let our little group use your music? Why? Yeah. Because we're friends. Well, and your show is awesome. And I want to support that. And I think it's a really cool idea to have a song called Bones in a show called Ashes to Ash. That's just a really dope concept. So we've got a bunch of things that are happening. We've been working with an anonymous source who was actually on site the day of them finding KJ and was yeah. there throughout the whole time. The person's not willing to go public yet, but they are giving us information, which has been extremely valuable, eye-opening. So you've spoken to this person and have already gotten this information? We've honestly spoken for about five hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. There you go. So we have our other side <laughs> with us. Clark, the cutest dog ever, is also joining us in the car. We'll probably be meeting with that person. And then Sheriff Polk is going to do an interview and he is the sheriff now. He wasn't the sheriff when KJ was found. Okay. He had taken, I think, four years between. So he had been the sheriff before and after. So this guy has basically kind of been the sheriff in Valdosta for the last 20, 30 years, minus the time when KJ was found. But he's the one who opened and closed the case. According to what he said to us and on in the media, he basically reopened it because he wanted to personally help the Johnsons and see if he could see anything and just give them the confidence that there was a second look taken at it, a serious second look. I spoke with Ashley Polk, the Lowndes County Sheriff. This initial interview took place in April of 2021. Why was the case reopened? It was a promise I made to the people when I came back as sheriff. I mean, so that I would look into it and go all the way through it and give them what I thought was the, the, final, the correct answer. So you just kind of took it upon yourself to be like, I'm yeah. going to take another look at this. Sure did. And, and, um, Nothing against the people that worked or anything else. I mean, but of course. I hope that we can release a lot of the things that are in the files there that will explain quite a bit more to the people. But 
Then he closed it nine months later. It was a little disappointing that when he closed it, I'm not saying that there wasn't the due diligence done. It's just that he didn't even talk to the guy who did the second and third autopsy. I also spoke with Dr. Anderson, who handled the second and third autopsies. And how long have you been doing this, and why did you get into it originally? Well, I've been doing it since about 1976, and I was interested in pathology because it's basically a scientific approach to medicine. And I had always liked basically science, basic science, biology, and so forth, so. That's one of the questions I want to ask Sherpalk, and I'm being totally serious. Like, why does he think Dr. Anderson's a quack? Is there malpractice thing. Has he experienced something Right, did, did, yeah, did Dr. Or? Anderson do yeah. something to him personally that was just, didn't sit right, and so he like knows he's a bad dude? Which is a thing, I guess, but <clears throat> short-sighted. And maybe explain those reasons better. I don't understand not being able to confront somebody who, even if they have information you don't agree with. Yeah. Why is it that you can't confront them with your own medical examiner and figure out why his results could be so different. I would have thought they would have wanted to take your information and sure, get their own medical examiner, certainly all in a room, and all talk th through it to see if everyone can come to the same conclusion. But that just doesn't even seem to happen at all, or am I incorrect? It doesn't happen very often. And the medical examiners, for instance, in the Kendrick Johnson case, where they did not dissect the area that we found the, the injury, they don't want to basically admit that they didn't you know, look at that area, and sometimes it's not incompetence, but you have, sometimes it takes a couple tries to get everything right in autopsy, because you might not think of the first, at first, but then you go back and look at things that didn't fit correctly, like the lung weights, for instance, in this case. Uh, then you go back and look at it, and as I said, sometimes you have to do two autopsies to get it right. But that doesn't mean the first person was wrong, but all you gotta do is, but integrate that together with the findings of the second. But in general, in my experience, with multiple situations, like there's multiple medical examiners, multiple doctors involved, that uh, they don't want to do that. They don't want to go back and even look at it. And I was really sort of taken aback a, a little bit by the reluctance of the medical examiner in Georgia to even look at our autopsy photos at least look at them and say, no, I don't agree with it, but to not even look at them in the first place, you know, it's sort of, it's difficult to comprehend why you would do that. Yeah, that seems very cavalier to me. I can't imagine just assuming I was right about yeah. something and not willing to at least look. I might still be right, but at least look at it objectively. Well, even if you're going to deny that our findings mean anything, at least look at them before you deny it. <laughs> at, least, at least pretend. It's good to cover yourself. Yeah, at least to look at it before you, right. before you automatically deny it. In the car with Nick, I explained to him. And then we are going to hopefully meet with Lydia, who is Jackie Johnson's sister, Jackie's KJ's mother, who can tell us what their feelings are now because after Sheriff Paul closed the case, the crazy thing was is the Johnson family, according to the media, seemed to come out publicly and say that he was a liar and didn't do his job correctly. So the following day, Sheriff Paul, of his own money, put up a half a million dollar reward. Insane. Right. So one thing I want to do here that I think is really important is talk a little bit about Sheriff Polk closing the case. And he turned out basically a 16-page document that explains why he closed the case. Initial Polk interview, April 2021. Try to break it down into seven or eight categories. And um, 
that would cover just pieces of the whole puzzle. What I love about the fact that he did this, not that he closed the case, obviously, if KJ was murdered, that makes me really sad that this case is closed now because that makes it that much harder to get justice. Obviously, if it was an accident, then I guess it's right back to where it was. I really wanna go over what Sheriff Polk says in this report to see if we can find any inaccuracies to try to figure out what his thought process was or if we feel like the 16 pages has all valid information. And we'll go through the entire thing to make sure over a couple episodes to kind of make sure that every single thing in this report is addressed and we'll try to figure out if it's factual or not factual or if it's something we need more information on. One of the first things that I had saw was some information about the autopsies. Why this interested me so much is I had a suspicion from talking to Dr. Anderson that Sheriff Polk had never ever talked to the man who did the second and third autopsies. And the reason that concerned me is he has much different results than Marianne Gaffney Craft, who worked for the ME's office at the time and did his initial autopsy. Sheriff Polk seems to believe that her autopsy is correct and that Dr. Anderson he seems to think is a fraud or a quack of some sort and is very vocal about it. His words to us when we interviewed him the first time were, if you pay a guy to do an autopsy, what do you expect he's gonna tell you what you wanna hear? In Polk's interview, I ask, do you guys look at an independent medical examiner as strongly as you look at your own medical examiner, like their results? Because I know Dr. Anderson had differing results than the initial coroner on the case. Do you guys look at all of that when you take that information in? You look at it, but of course, you know, you do an examination a year later on a body that's been embalmed. And uh, I'm not saying this about Dr. Anderson, don't take me wrong. But when you hire somebody, well, let's just, I, I just use an example in politics. If you can find your college professor and you tell him what you're looking for and what your end result's gonna be, and you pay him to do it, what's your end result gonna be? Probably come out just the way you want it to. I'm not an examiner by any means. Of course. I'm not qualified in that field whatsoever, but I would think it'd be very difficult to take a body that actually, when it was sent to the first examiner, was already decomposing, and a year later that you can come up with a criteria that there was some trauma to it in a certain area. You know, but maybe he knows, I'm sure he knows a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. We then visited Dr. Anderson to talk about this. Sheriff Polk was basically like, you can't figure anything out once a body's been buried for that long. My comment to that is that, uh, where did the sheriff get his pathology training and where did he go to medical school? Can you explain that to people who don't understand that process? Because I was surprised when I first talked to you on the phone and you talked about how well-preserved he was. What, what does embalming do and how does that preserve? If we do a biopsy, we put it in formaldehyde to basically preserve the tissue and get it in a state where we can then make sections and look at it under the microscope, because it's formaldehyde and so forth. Well, formaldehyde is also the primary component of embalming fluid. So when you put that in, it does the same thing. It preserves the tissue once the embalming has occurred. So you don't get any further deterioration and so forth. So that was why it was fortunate that he was embalmed so well, because the area that we discovered the trauma had not been looked at before by the first autopsy. They had not gone up high enough in the neck. 
So we were able to do that. We took microscopic sections of that and it showed tissue bleeding in the tissues and so forth. So it wasn't post-mortem or anything like that. We would have liked to examine the organs again, but the organs somehow had disappeared and were not with the body when we received the body. And since we received it in the casket, that means it wasn't there when he was buried. And then there was a second autopsy. Man, this does puzzle me how you can do two and not agree with yourself. You know, if you get in a court of law and you've got a good person examining you, you say, which one's right? Why did you miss this the first time? Why do you have this the second time? And I'm not just picking on Dr. Anderson. I'm talking about anybody. Of course. Absolutely. I mean, that, that would be hard to explain. I mean, if, if I get up there and say, I saw, a, saw an accident and it was a yellow car and the next time it was a blue car, which one's right? So we did the first exhumation. What caused it to go to a second exhumation? Well, the second exhumation was the concern about some trauma to the shoulder area, I think. And did you confirm that there was trauma to the shoulder area? We dissected that area again, and yeah, it did appear that there was some trauma. In and of itself would not have been life-threatening. It wasn't a serious injury, but there was some bruising. Okay, so maybe it just was part of what happened, not what killed him, the shoulder part. Right, correct. I personally thought that was a little short-sighted because Dr. Anderson has been doing this since 1970, and he told us that he had left working because they were trying to get him to change autopsy results, and he refused to do that. So he wanted to be off on his own so that he wasn't pushed into doing something he thought was morally wrong, which is change the cause of death on a death certificate. And I could understand why someone would not want to be involved in changing that if they didn't believe that what they were writing was accurate. And throughout your career, have you ever felt that someone tried to influence you or put pressure on you to have a certain result? Not in private practice. Okay. With the medical examiner's office, yes. In fact, I left the medical examiner's office in Orlando specifically for that reason, that they wanted me to change a diagnosis on a, a woman who died in jail because they withheld her medication. And they wanted to, and it cost them quite a bit of money and they weren't real happy with me. So I decided I'd be better off in private practice, which is absolutely what happened. And I'm much better off. <laughs> and how long were you with the Florida Medical Examiner or the Orlando Medical Examiner? Uh, 1990 to 2002. Wow. I was deputy chief. Oh my God. And director of their training program. We had residents that were trained to be forensic pathologists. Interesting. And you felt like throughout that time there had been multiple times where some pressure had been Well, not too often. Okay. But in, in critical issues, yeah. So I'm just going to read here what Polk said real quick in the report. So if you have the report, this is page five of it. You can find it online pretty easily. But this is what he says under the autopsy heading. The first sentence is a little confusing. I don't know if it's a typo or if I'm not understanding it. I'm just going to read it how it was. Obviously, people make typos, so if that's what happened here, I'm not trying to focus on that. I just don't want to read it in any other way besides it's written. Three were entities performed autopsies of Kendrick Johnson. The first autopsy was performed by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation on January 14, 2013, with the report dated May 2, 2013. The cause of death is listed as positional asphyxia and the manner of death was accidental. The second autopsy was performed by Dr. William R. Anderson after the body had been embalmed and buried. Dr. Anderson listed the cause of death as blunt force trauma to the right neck involving the right mandible. The date of exhumation was June 15, 2013 and the report date was August 15, 2013. 
Dr. Anderson did an addendum to his original report on September 21st, 2018, which added blunt force trauma right thorax. All of Dr. Anderson's work is listed as requested by Jacqueline Johnson, Kendrick Johnson's mother. Note, the addendum required a second exhumation of the body that had been embalmed over five years. Also, the file on Dr. Anderson's autopsy contains an article from the Orlando Sentinel that quotes the chief medical examiner of Orange County, Shasi Gore. And just to point out here, that name is spelled S-H-A-S-I. So I might be pronouncing it wrong. So moving forward, I will refer to that person as Gore, the last name. Says that Dr. Anderson lied and that he had a total fabrication of his imagination in another case he autopsied. So I was really surprised because when I did my research on Dr. Anderson, I really couldn't find anyone who was saying anything that he wasn't doing his job correctly or questioning what he was doing in any significant way. So I wanted to find out who Gore was and what they had to say about Dr. Anderson. So I went on to Google and all I typed in was Dr. William Anderson questioned about autopsy results. So when I did that, I found obviously all the Kendrick Johnson articles, and I also found this one article that Sheriff Polk is referring to. So in this article, it really shows Gore and Anderson disagreeing about results in a death investigation. And that death investigation involved a Rollins college student by the name of Jennifer Lee Karras, and her last name is spelled K-A-I-R-I-S, in case anyone wants to look up that case. But it sounds like she dies after going to fraternity party and she's found with high levels of prescription drugs and alcohol in her system. Gore says that she died of an accidental overdose and Anderson says that she was sexually assaulted and strangled. So the end result of this case after a couple MEs chime in and it's kind of split. It seems like half believe it's accident, half believe it's murder. Eventually the case seems to go away and it's labeled as accidental. So I don't know exactly what happened to the case, but from what I can tell online is it ended in, as an accident. So then just out of curiosity, I typed in Gore's name the same way I typed in William Anderson. So for Dr. William Anderson, I was able, like I said, to find two cases, the KJ case and this woman named Jennifer Lee Karras. Those seem to be the only two cases that I was able to find where Anderson has been questioned in some way about his results not being adequate. But when I typed in Gore's name with the same question, so I wrote, Dr. Sashi Gore questioned about autopsy results. This is when things became really shocking because as soon as I typed that in, it was article after article after article about misconduct and gore. And I was really surprised by this because I was expecting to find this squeaky clean person. I just have to first read a couple of the titles of these articles. Now, so if you type in Dr. Sashi Gore questioned about autopsy results, you can also see what I'm seeing, which I'll post up on the screen here. Chief medical examiner exits amid controversy. That's article one. Letter claims top examiner misled court. Second article. Third article, Bad Science, Orlando Weekly. Fourth article, Vega versus State. Gore violated Florida law while performing an autopsy in an unrelated case and recommended that Dr. Gore be prohibited from performing autopsies. Misgivings over evidence set murder suspect 
free. Baby Yurko's Mysterious Death, Ruling and Death Challenged, Criminal Legal News. So the reason I think it's important to read these off, if you actually start reading these articles, people are questioning Gore's capabilities. They're questioning turning over results from autopsies he performed. And another thing I found really disturbing in an article from the Orlando Sentinel, the Orlando Sentinel seems to have a lot of these articles. So that's a great place to go if you want to learn more about the guy that Sheriff Polk is resting his laurels on so that he doesn't have to listen to Dr. Anderson's results. So on July 23rd, Gore testified in a hearing on convicted killer Edward Eddie James. And when he was testifying, he tells the court, I am a forensic pathologist employed as a district medical examiner in Orange and Ascala counties, Gore said. I have been certified as a pathologist in anatomical and microbiology as well. And I have a master's. He said this, Gore said this. I have a master's in toxicology and forensic pathology. Okay, so he's got a master in these two degrees. So that sounds really amazing. And this is what he told the courts when he went into that case. So obviously lying in court is a horrible offense, but that's exactly what he did. So basically the facts are in 1969, Gore received a master's degree in public health from John Hopkins University, but the university has never awarded a master's in toxicology and forensic pathology according to the university. During Gore's time there, he took a number of courses in forensic toxicology and forensic science, but we don't have a residency program in forensic science. Bloomberg School of Public Health spokesman Tim Parsons said Friday. So really why this concerns me so much is Sheriff Polk is not taking Dr. Anderson's findings seriously. He's basically saying that Dr. Anderson is a quack and he's relying on the information that Gore provided about one incident, one death. And in this article, it basically says that Gore believes that Dr. Anderson is a liar and his findings are misleading. And what's odd about that is in the Jennifer Lee case, the case that this all came out on, there are two medical examiners that believe it was murder. So it must have been a very confusing case. But is what Gore is saying is that Anderson is a liar and his results are misleading. But when you look up Gore and you look up Anderson online, it's Gore that is called a liar time and time again on case after case after case. For people to go as far as to say he should not be allowed to perform other autopsies and I think is pretty critical to what's happening here. And, and my concern is right out of the gate, why is Sheriff Polk listening to a medical examiner out of Florida? Why is Sheriff Polk not going and looking Dr. Anderson in the eye, hearing his results and having a conversation about that? What, what that makes me believe is Dr. Anderson's telling the truth. He never told us about this case. He just told us he left because they were asking him to change autopsy death results. And this is the, one of those cases that was probably the reason he left. And so that to me shows that he was telling us the truth about why he left. And there's even news articles where he talks about this from all the way back then.
I'm really concerned about this and I'm interviewing Sheriff Polk on Monday, so two days from now, and I really wanna ask him about why he's listening and believing what Gore wrote in one single article over one single case instead of looking at Dr. Anderson's distinguished career besides that, because there is nothing else I can find that shows that it shouldn't be distinguished. When on Gore's side, there's a ton of things that show up. So why would he think Gore is the credible one and Anderson is not credible? So, I mean, really, uh, you know, I wanna talk to Sheriff Polk about this because if Sheriff Polk's whole reason for not using Dr. Anderson's information is because Gore said something, that was disparaging against Dr. Anderson, I really think Sheriff Polk needs to take a moment and look at all the things that other people said from all over about how Gore was not doing his job properly or who, who was not getting results that people believed were actually accurate. So I think this is really interesting when you look at this and I can't really understand why Polk would listen to Gore when it appears that Gore, especially towards the end of his career, might not have been doing the best job that he could have online if you read the articles. Have you seen a lot of hemorrhage damage done to people in your career? Yeah, I've done about 9,000 autopsies now. So uh, yeah, a lot of strangulations and a lot of blunt force to the neck and so forth. Yeah, a lot. Ashes to Ash is produced by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, crew Nick Goncalves, title music produced and performed by Eight Graves, and the song's name is Bones. Web design for Ashes to Ash TV was done by Second Melody, secondmelody.com. Subscribe on the website for commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. Just go to ashestoashtv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. To follow us on Facebook, please go to Ashes to Ash True Crime, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Ashes to Ash TV. If you have a tip or information, please email us at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous. If you know of any illegal activity regarding this case, please contact your local law enforcement.